Support for Wavemakers comes from listeners like you and the Tampa Bay Times. The Pulitzer Prize-winning newspaper is available around the Tampa Bay area and online at tampabay.com. Thanks to the Tampa Bay Times for their support. Good morning and welcome to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. It's holiday season and running the board today is the always jolly John Dunn. Um, If you want to join our conversation, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Today's guest and her family have been making waves for decades as leaders of the Park Center for Disabilities in Pinellas County. Established in 1953 by Edith Eibold. Interestingly, in 1952, it started when she placed a small notice in the St. Petersburg Evening Independent inviting parents of children with developmental disabilities to a meeting at St. Petersburg City Hall. She led the organization until 1963 when Bert Muller was named president and CEO and, inspired by his oldest daughter, Leslie, who is disabled, led Park through a period of incredible growth, including the purchase of 10 acres from the city of St. Petersburg, which serves as its campus today. Joining us is the current CEO of Park, who is also overseeing expansion, and who also happens to be Bert Muller's daughter. Welcome to Wavemakers, Michelle Detweiler. Thank you very much. We're so happy to be here. Also in the studio with us today is Peter Mondroff. Thank you very much. He has been part of the Park family since 1988. Uh, Today, today Park's residential center, job training programs, art programs, caregiver relief, and more serves more than 500 people who range in age from two months to 80. Um, uh, Michelle, Park has been such a presence in Pinellas County for 70 years um, and seen amazing success for what started as a small nonprofit. Tell us a little bit about how your family got involved and, and your connection to the organization over the years. Well, um, I come from a family of five children, and my sister Leslie was um, born 65 years ago, and she was born with a lot of complications and is developmentally disabled. And back then, there was nothing for children with disabilities or intellectual disabilities. Um, As a matter of fact, it wasn't uncommon uh, to go into a home and uh, help a family and their child would be in a cage. It was something that was not... um, um, popular. It was not, uh, it was a very uncomfortable situation. I think people didn't know. People didn't know. There, there was no education out there and nothing uh, for families who had children with disabilities. So when my sister was born and then obviously the four other kids, um, my parents could not care for my sister. She needed round the clock care. So Um, they were forced to put my sister in a state institution, which um, was not a good situation. I remember driving down to Fort Myers on the weekends, and when we'd leave, my mother would cry all the way home. Mm. So it was um, 
a very difficult time in this industry for families that had children with disabilities. Um, so my father really felt compelled to do something about it. And his goal was to build something in our community to bring my sister home. And he did that. It took him about 10 years, um, but she returned home to our community in 1979. And she still lives at, yes. at Park, Yes, correct? she does. Mm -hmm. So she moved there in 1979, and that was a big time in our country where um, the Kennedys really had um, a big push on closing state institutions and bringing people with disabilities into the community to be inclusive. Um, so we were really a pioneer in that in the state of Florida, um, building um, a building that we have today. It's called the Burt Muller Home. It was actually uh, named after my father many years later and after he passed. But um, so she came in 1979 with a lot of other people. There's 48 people that live in that facility. Mm -hmm. um, and she's lived there ever since. And what? Rose Kennedy actually uh, visited. Yes, right? yes. Rose Kennedy back in the day visited. And, um, you know, we were part of that whole movement. And uh, she, of course, also had a family member. Yes. Had been institutionalized. Mm -hmm. So she was aware of the toll it took both on the, the person who's institutionalized, but also the family. Family. Correct. And she really pushed her son to, to make those national push to to recognize and serve people with developmental disabilities in a humane way because mm -hmm. it was not done that way. And and Park also, Park Villa, I understand, was one of the first integrated um, residential programs of its kind. So you guys are breaking ground all over the place at Park. Yes, so we have um, four different residential um, facilities and homes in our community where 94 people live. And actually, Peter, um, when he was a young adult, he lived at Curry Villa, which is one of our group homes. And at the time, it was a transitional um, home where people learned independence and learned skills to live on their own. And the goal was for them to transition to be independent by themselves. And Peter accomplished that. And he, today, he's living actually... He has his own apartment, but he doesn't have a roommate anymore. No. So he's no. he's living um, no, on his own. Yeah. Uh, and you, how long you lived at Park for a while though? How long were you there? You started joined there in nineteen, moved there in nineteen eighty eight. Yes, and uh, forty plus years. Forty plus years. Yeah. Forty plus years. Yeah. He's been yeah. In yeah. yeah. And you started off living at at Park. And got your life skills together, uh, and now you're you're living independently. No, before I moved in uh, Curry, I used to live with my parents. Oh, you lived with your parents, okay? On a boat, right? Yeah, forty plus. Yeah, no, forty six years ago. Yeah, forty six yes. years ago. On yeah, a yeah. boat. Wow, yeah. that must have been something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so you, um, how does it feel to be following in your father's footsteps, Michelle? You just came in um, uh, 2021 to, CE, to be CEO. To be CEO, You've been yes. involved, and uh, what's that like? So that's, it's very interesting, actually. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm super honored to follow in his footsteps and to carry on his legacy. Um, it definitely was not my career path. But um, I, I believe I'm in the right place, and um, I am here for the 
the next go around. So we've been around for 70 years. And as you can imagine, our facilities are aging. And um, he built all those, he built our campus. Um, and now we have to put a lot into that to maintain and keep it going um, for the next 70 years. We'll talk a little bit more later about your um uh, expansion plans, but you also, um, in 2022 rebranded. We did. And you're calling yourselves now the Park, um, Center for Disabilities. Let's talk about the name. Yes. Um, and how it has changed over the years. Uh Um, because when it was first founded, it was the Pinellas Association for Retarded Children. Right. So we had an R word and it was children. So let's talk about the name change and what that's reflected in um, over the years over the years yeah, yeah. so um, Pinellas Association for Retarded Children was the original name and actually you will still find that in I mean we're 70 years old so, so <laughs> that pops up once in a while um, and that's how we started like you said with Edith Eibold she was the founder and it was you know, a few families that came together that had children with disabilities so it was appropriate at the time and then as we um, learned more and became more humane about the population we serve. Um, it was park. People used to just say park, um, which still stood for that. And then back in the 90s, they changed the acronym. And don't even ask me what it, it meant. It was something providing. Oh, I, I wrote it down. Providing did. advocacy and recognizing capabilities. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Super catchy. I could never get that. But you had also moved from a focus on children and expanded it right. yes. to, uh, Correct. to adults. Yes. Um, so. Including Peter. Including Peter. Yes. Um, so we really grew, you know, as um, society became more accepting and um, there was more funding, the government recognized that they needed to help. Um, we grew and today we serve on an annual basis over 900 people. Um, on a daily basis, we serve over 500 people in our programs. So, um, so yes, that, so then we had that just park, Yeah. Um, but people would still say, well, what does it stand for? And I could never remember, um, <laughs> or, um, doesn't that still mean this? And, you know, it was really a challenge. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time, we had a wonderful donor, um, Robert Mitro, he, um, invested in our, um, rebranding and said, we've got to do something about this marketing wise. Um, and so we did, we hired a firm and we spent a lot of time. And what came of it is that park word because we've been around for 70 years. Um, everything pointed, you got to still, I mean, you, you have to still have that. So we did. We just, now it's just a word. It's a word and it's not an acronym. It's not capitalized. Um, and it's Park Center for Disabilities. So when I tell you, what do you do, Michelle? I work for Park Center for Disabilities. You're going to know what I do. Mm-hmm. So and, then, and the name has such, um, that brand, the park brand is so strong, which is why you did not want to, you want to keep that word and because uh, it identifies you. It's, it's it who you are. Yeah. Yes. But yes. eliminating the R word from our, our lexicon has been something that's been going on for a number of years. It, it was removed from the federal code, for yes. example. But it started off as, as supposed to be a better word than yeah. what some people were using, such as, you know, idiots. And right. Just really terrible words. Yes. Yeah. Um, so do you think this was reflected by our change in how we view 
people with disabilities? I do. We still have a long way to go. Um, I still run into people that still use that word um, and not realize, you know, what they're saying. Um, but yes, I do. I think it has a lot to do with um, how our industry is trying to um, educate people that aren't involved with the population we serve. To me, it's similar to the NAACP. Exactly. Because that colored was a word that was obviously better than the N word. Right. But as things evolved... You know, people don't even use that anymore. Right. Um, and so I, I think words matter. Words do matter. Yeah. And they have a lot of impact. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Michelle Detweiler, uh, CEO of Park Center for Disabilities. And also in the studio, studio with us is Peter Mondorf, who's been part of the Park family since 1988. <laughs> if you'd like to join our conversation, you have a call or a comment, question or a comment, you can call us at 813-239-9663. Or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. We do have an email from Rick who says... Um, uh, Thanks for talking about Park. My uncle used to go there to build some skills. Great place to help build those life skills. So that's one of the programs that you guys do. Yeah. And I'm Thank so you. glad Peter is with us today because um, it's important to spotlight success stories. I mean, right. You all have been at this for 70 years, which, first of all, that's just amazing mm -hmm. for any nonprofit to have continued and to grow and thrive. And now you're into another um, era of, of growth. Uh, but can you tell... Peter, can you tell us a little bit more about about your own journey and what what that's been like for you? Because now you're living independently, which has got to be the dream of anyone with developmental disabilities. Not necessarily with that came out the book. I know it's a very Take emotional. Take your time. Yeah, yeah, it is. No problem. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, Peter. It shows the impact that this program has had on one person's life. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing great, Peter. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Peter. Um, uh, he, when he came to us, he, he worked in our workshop, which is, was back then sheltered workshops. So we would get contracts from different companies. And um, he came, he worked. I remember him with the forklift. I, I just remember him back in the 80s um, just being super motivated. Um, and so after that, he, he learned a lot of job skills with us. And um, the next step in that process is to be employed out in the community. And so what our program does is they pair individuals like Peter up with what we call a job coach. And that job coach works very closely with the individual and um, helps them works with the employer to make sure that it's successful. Um, so, so that has been a great, great growth for, for Peter. He works for Mercury Medical, which is an amazing supporter of Park Center for Disabilities. They, they're just very good to us and they're very good to Peter. Um, and he, he takes the bus, he gets up at, what time do you get up? 2 a.m.? 2 a.m., oh, oh no way. I've bus at Something. Yeah, so he, he catches the, the public transportation yeah. at very early in the morning. He has to be clock in at work at 745? Uh, yes, 742, something like that. Okay, a little, little, yep, okay. And then he clocks, he works for four hours, and then 
He clocks out. Yeah, at uh, 11.45 in Eleven forty-five. Yeah. Okay, and um, he takes the bus home, and um, he's done really well there. Do you do you remember when you got that job? It's been a couple years, hasn't it? Do you do you remember? Well, it's been. I think nineteen. No. Two thousand nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah, okay. before COVID. Right before uh, COVID. Before rest, my mom passed on. Right. Okay. Right before and your mom passed. Get- then Brian asked me, "You were one that job?" I said, oh, "Yes." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian, Brian is our um, yeah. assistant VP of community programs, and very close to Peter. And we had this opportunity, and so Peter said, "Yes, I want it." Yeah. So he's he he's one of their greatest employees we get what do you do, what do you do there there peter i do the, uh save people lives with the cpr stuff okay so putting the medical equipment yeah. together okay mm-hmm. yeah do you so, do you like the work <laughs> you love you it. love it <laughs> i bet you i bet you the best part is the people you work with yep he's he's, he's nodding and yeah. what about Dr. G. Yes. Do you call him Dr. G? No, he's my uh, pastor over there. Oh, he's your pastor. Okay. Yeah. So they they um, they love Peter. You know, we get um, feedback all the time, and they wish they had 10 Peters. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he just got a raise, and he's... Did you tell me you're working full-time now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, five days on, and uh, five days. got the 13 hour more before. I just been... Last week, uh, 400 a week, but oh. now, now I'm over 500 up to this close. Wow. wow. Very nice. Yeah. And you're living in your own apartment? Yeah, at the brand one apartment, now called the Drake apartment now. Yeah. And was was that, I, that must have been a little scary at first. No. No, no it's not scary. Eric's <laughs> just glad to have his own place. <laughs> no. Yeah. With all the storm we have a couple months back, uh, Irma, what year that was? Irma, I don't remember. We've had so many hurricanes we and have, lost track. Yeah. yeah, I remember that Irma was right past us. I, I look outside, right by the pool. I said, Lord, push away. Push away. <laughs> yeah. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. We appreciate that. <laughs> I'm an usher, too. Yeah, he's an usher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned that Mercury Medical is a good partner with you of yours. How does that work? You have businesses that you work with in Pinellas County that work with you to hire people. And yes. does Mercury Medical have multiple people um, from Park that work with them? Peter, are you? There's four people from yeah, Park Center. I work with Simon. Okay. Tasha. Okay. And Ebony. Okay. So okay. they employ four of our. Our folks from our supported employment yeah. program. Okay, and um, they they're they're great. So that relationship, those relationships, either they come to us and say, "Hey, you know, we're interested in employing people with developmental disabilities," or we we try to like through LinkedIn and a, a lot of other social media platforms. Um, advertise to employers look if you need a if you need employees a good employee call us mm-hmm. 
Are there other businesses that you can name check and tell oh, us that sure. are great? Absolutely. Bosch and Lom, Valpac, um, Publix. Uh, we are in a couple um, veterinary um, hospitals. Um, we, we probably work with 35, 40 different companies in the and, area. And what do you tell them if they are skeptical or curious about what that experience would be like. That we work very closely with them. You know, we want it to be successful. And some of our folks have been employed with their employer for 30 years. We have one gentleman who has worked for 30 years and never missed a day. So, um, employers yeah. like that. Employers yeah. love that. They right? like it when you're on time, too, right, yeah. Peter? Yeah, yeah. Like you're always on time in modern times. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's even taking the bus, so. that's why you have to get up so early yeah. to catch the bus. Let's mm -hmm. talk to Heart, uh, PSTA about that. We need a better <laughs> bus for Peter. Yeah. <laughs> or a limousine. Give you a limousine that works too. There you go, okay. limousine. So you don't yeah. have, Anybody's yeah. out there who can help Peter with a limousine, let us know. <laughs> yes. Call 813-239-9663 right now. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to say that PSTA is a really good partner yeah. with us too. Um. Oh, I would imagine, yeah, they yeah. do. Um, so I want let's take a minute out. There's we're ta since we're talking about employment and hiring folks. Um, there's a new um, nonprofit in Hillsborough County, nowhere near on the level with Park. They're just getting started, but they're called um, it's called Coffee Uniting People. It's very interesting. They've got two locations: one in um, on Dale Mabry um, between um, between Dale between ba Beta Bay, Bay, Bay and, and El, El Prado. Prado, and there's another one at the Embark Collective in downtown. Um, Tampa. And this is a coffee shop where um, a, a, a company that about 60% of the employees are people who are, are disabled. And um, very interesting concept. And they have great coffee, a good people. I think it's going to become a regular um, working spot. I did a little interview with the owner yesterday, Gregory Jones. Let's listen to that. So we're sitting here at, in Cup on uh, South Del Mabry in Tampa. Can you tell me a little bit about how this incredible place came to be? <laughs> so uh, thank you for coming today. Um, we've been in existence since October 2021. Uh, started our coffee shop here uh, in August of this year. Started in August 2023, and our we had one downtown on Embark Collective Building in October of 2022. Um, I've been involved in the disability community for a long time. Um, my wife and I started this uh, based upon Challenger Baseball, which is a baseball for boys and girls that we started back about 10 years ago at Palmasia Little League. Boys, it's baseball for boys and girls with special needs. And um, I went back uh, and got a master's up at UF and uh, nonprofit leadership a couple years ago um, certificate and wanted to get out of the law business. So I'm a, an attorney by trade and um, came up with this idea one morning on a run on Bayshore, and here we are. Um, so what is the, the vision here? What is the <clears throat> vision for Cup? So our vision, um, our, our mission is to provide uh, job opportunities for folks of all abilities, including people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So right now we just have two coffee shops in Tampa, but we have some pretty big plans, hopefully, if we can fulfill them to grow this uh, and to provide other coffee shops potentially become a special needs coffee roaster uh, and then potentially go into other businesses that um, will employ individuals with disabilities. It's The, the sky uh, is unlimited. Uh, we got a bright future. What's the mix of employees in terms of people with disabilities and people without? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, there's no percentage, but uh, probably in every shift we have um, 
uh, every two or three uh, folks that have a disability, we have one or two working side by side with them. Um, our mission is to be inclusive in nature and we've got about right now about 35 or more that are on the wait list unfortunately we just don't have a job for them the demand's huge right now uh, for for the jobs right because 80 percent of people with disabilities are unemployed is, is that correct 80 percent of, of folks with disabilities do not do not have jobs right exactly it's way way too high tremendously skewed in the opposite direction and our employees are the best. They do really, really good job. Um, they're, you know, uh, we, we have a we have a model of employees that most businesses would be envious of. Is the hope that the training and experience that people receive here will allow them to move on to other types of employment? Great question, and that's part of our goal is that we want folks to come in and see some of our employees and say, you know, what this. Man or this young man or woman would be great at our company. We've had a handful of those folks who have been hired out of here, and we promote that. Uh, and we're hopeful that you know people will come in and snatch our employees away. That's a, <laughs> that would be a, a big benefit to us. And what would you say to other business owners who are considering hiring people with differing abilities? I would say give everybody a chance because you would just be shocked at how great our employees are and the, and the productivity and the timeliness of their coming to work and their attention to detail and to the customer. And quite frankly, the benefits it has on the customer and, 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 and the organization are just um, uh, the subjective benefits in addition to the objective benefits as far as revenues and profits are concerned. The subjective, subjective benefits are, are through the roof. I, I heard some parents talking about how um, grateful they are and how much this has transformed the lives of their children. Talk about that a little bit. What have you yeah. seen? So, uh, you know, there's that old saying is a parent is only as happy as his or her least happiest child. Uh, one of the unintended consequences or collateral benefits has been the impact upon the moms and dads and brothers and sisters and family members and you just saw a handful of folks here came and saw their grandson and their son working and it just brings so much joy to them because everybody needs a purpose in life and everybody needs a place to get out of bed and go and 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 make things better and to have your son or daughter who otherwise didn't have a chance now has a chance to go somewhere and be productive and be part of society is just incredibly fulfilling to some of these families um we have a young lady Julian Joyce, I'll brag on her on Saturday mornings. She comes in and she brings a whole posse of people with her. It's just wonderful. It really is. I just have to say, come in here and it's just a really nice energy. Everybody is very friendly and and positive. Well, you know, you can quite frankly buy a cup of coffee anywhere, but when you leave Cup, you leave here a little happier and a much better person. Um, I, the, the, the collateral benefit of what we're doing is not just great for the employees and for their families, but it's also really good for the customer, too. So that was uh, Gregory Jones, who is the founder and executive director of Coffee Uniting People, a, a nonprofit that started specifically to employ people who um, with disabilities. So 80% of people with disabilities are unemployed, and yet there are people who are, many of them, perfectly capable of having a job and earning a living, right? So it sounds along with this with Gregory you're all aiming to exactly. change those perceptions yeah exactly and you know what he said about it, it's about having a purpose you know we all need a purpose and um, we have a an individual who was in our program and a young adult came out of high school into our 
our life skills program. And, you know, his mom was like, oh, he just, you know, he can't work. And um, we're like, okay, well, when we, when he started working in our program, we're like, well, why not? And do you want to work? Yes, I would love to work. So he learned those skills in our program and ended up, um, he actually works for All Children's Hospital now, has a full-time job, completely independent, is applying for a loan for a house now. And talking to his mother, she is just like, oh my gosh, you know, my son has a future and he's independent and she's not worrying. And it's, it's quite a story from where, you know, when you have a child with a disability, you're super protective and you want to protect them from anything to go wrong. And you know, you're not going to be around forever to protect them. And they're vulnerable. So knowing that you're letting go a little bit about, I tell parents, it's about baby steps, you know, that really he can do this or she can do that. Um, it's, it's definitely a um, conversation we have regularly with families. Um, but that's a perfect example of mm-hmm. um, a student that came out of, uh, out of the school system, had limited skills, came through the, the system, and we were able to find him employment. And he's very well employed now and not not really being subsidized by our system. So it, it really is very, very um, beneficial. And, you know, I heard this saying once, it's not a charitable act to hire somebody with a disability. It's good business sense. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that is, that is the truth. And I keep hearing that there's a worker shortage. A mm-hmm. lot of restaurants have cut back on hours. Um, prices are up. Um, is this a new opportunity, do you think, for people with disabilities to, to be able to fill some of those uh, jobs that employers say they just can't fill? Mm-hmm. I, I would hope so. You know, um, you need the support of the employer to to definitely um, support that and help in the transition. Um, but yes, absolutely. Um, Jolly John has a question. Um, he wants to know, what are, are there certain um, qual- criteria or qualifications for being able to be part of a program at Park? Uh, no, not really. Uh, there really isn't. Now, um, if you are developmentally disabled, you probably are in the state system with the Agency for Persons with Disabilities. Um, And therefore, you get that support. You know, you get, you have a a support coordinator or somebody helping you with all of your supports. Um, That's super important. You know, we have people moving into our community or from out of state and they're like, I have a child. I really, you know, in Connecticut, they get this, this, and this. Well, they have to get into our system. And unfortunately, um, there is such a waiting list um, for people to get into our our, um, state system. It's really, really, in my opinion. Opinion, it's rather criminal, but um, and that's simply because the state doesn't, you know, pony up the money. Correct. Yeah, um, and it's it's just a red tape nightmare for families. I mean, I probably get I, I get numerous inquiries a day. Um, how do I do this? How do mm. I navigate? And you know, when you're in a situation like that. It, you know, you can feel hopeless. Um, so is the state funding nonprofits like your own or does it have its own system that you have to figure out how to access? N- no, they, they, once you're in the system, they will provide funding to the individual to attend programs like PARC. Very minimal. 
I mean, several of our programs, we have not received an increase in funding from the state in over five years. So think about inflation. Mm -hmm. Think about um, what it costs to live today versus five years ago. And we still provide those, those services. We still provide homes. We still do everything. We, we have to raise our wages, right? We, our goal is to provide a living wage for the people that work for us. So it's very, very difficult um, to serve everybody when that gap between what, what we get from the government mm-hmm. and what it takes to run our organization. And, and we're, we're a very large organization. We're stable. But during COVID, so many organizations closed because they couldn't, they were grassroots. They could not afford to stay open mm-hmm. um, because the state just does not give them enough. And then they didn't come back. And then after. they didn't come back, which, meant, create, which re- created a bigger waiting list for us. Yeah. You know, you <clears> mentioned <throat> supplemental employment, I think you said, or uh, supported supportive, employment. Yeah. What is, what is supported employment? What does that mean? So what that means is um, when you come into the supported employment program at Park Center for Disabilities, we help you, right, Peter? Mm-hmm. Um, we help you with all the job skills needed to be successful out in the community. So we support you. It's called supported employment. You then have a, a person, a job coach that helps the individual works with the employer, um, supports the whole system. If there's a problem, whether it's, I don't know, the culture or it's, there's some problem, whether maybe it's the employee is not showing up on time or or what have you. We work with them. We work with the Mm -hmm. employee and the employer to try to make that a successful um, relationship. So that's what our supported employment is about. I see. So you were saying you have one, uh, you were talking about an individual who moved on from that and was able to have, not have to have right. that sort of He's ombudsman. That, yeah, yeah. Got it. We've got, if you want, go ahead, Tom. No, I was just going to ask you what, you have mentioned job skills and, and Peter has a has a very technical job, don't you? Um, yes. Putting putting together CPR. Yes, yeah, CPR units. and the baby, baby self, CPR, younger uh, kids to one to Three months, four months. And I wouldn't know how to do that. How did you learn how to do that? The company showed me how. The company showed you? Yes. Okay. And were there skills that you learned at Park that that helped you learn those skills? And it's fun about their skill with the new skill I'm doing. And then I do something inside my heart to show them. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah. 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 We got a couple emails. I want to um, turn to our emails. Um, we have a question. Um, this is Alexandra who says, thank you for your show. My sons are young men who are finishing their school career. Would your guest explain the difference between the park program and vocational rehabilitation, which is the program they are with? Once they turn 22 in a few years, we hope they will be employed. Much gratitude for all you do for our community. So, yeah. So vocational rehabilitation, we have that program too. So um, we have individuals that come to us and like she said, they're in that system and it's very, very similar to um, the support and employment, but it is um, a completely different funding source. So it's very similar to what I explained with supported employment, but um, it is about taking someone, um, finding the appropriate job placement for them, having them be successful in, in vocational rehabilitation, there's, there's benchmarks that you have to meet Mm -hmm. in order to, um, 
be supported by vocational rehabilitation, which is a state-funded program. Um, and then they graduate, and then they're independent. And that's the point of vocational rehabilitation. Let's move them and, and give them the skills and um, what's needed to be successful and not have to come back for more. So it's very, very similar. And so what kind of skills are they learning at Park? Because, For example, <laughs> I, I think uh, operating a tow truck sounds like fun, personally, Peter. I don't know if you found that fun. <laughs> no. But no, 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 that's that's really. too much like work. Or, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but you transition from that to other skills. So, what True. kind of? But it's a skill to. to I mean, there are tow truck operators who, you know, they have full time jobs doing that. We did uh, a couple of years back for us to a new job. We did uh, some filter at Perk. We did an awesome job for that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, Michelle, what kind of yeah, so other what, skills are, are... So we had a, um, uh, basically, a <laughs> assembly line um, yeah. where, where Peter learned how to put air filters. So the air filters in your air condition, it was the raw material all the way to... Um, it being in your in home. Your, in your ceiling, yeah. Right. So um, so the skills involved there is assembly line, you know, working together with somebody else, knowing that, that they're doing this, then your your job is this, and then you pass it on. Um, being on time, clocking in, learning how to clock in and clock out. Um, basic resume training, you know, learning how to put your experience on paper so you can show people that you can apply for jobs going online and applying for um, a, a job with a job application. So all those basic skills that you and I might take for, for granted, we work with them every step of the way for that. We have an email from someone who says um, great things about um, Greg Jones and his wife um, and says that they've always been wonderful people and then said very proud of the show's guests and what they do. Um, please let us know how we can help. So we'll get back that, to that again later. But we have the question. So, Michelle, if people want to support Park and, and help, how do they do that? So, what kind of help do you need? So. Yeah, well, we, we need a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I have to say, if it wasn't for our community, community, the Tampa Bay community, we wouldn't be here today the way we are. Um, we, have, we have had tremendous support. But the fact of the matter is, is that we need support. We need volunteers. We have a program. We work with the Tampa Bay Blues Fest, and, and mm -hmm. a lot of people know about that Um that festival that's every year. Our board operator, John Dunn, has uh, been involved in that. Yes. As yeah. staff. Yes, yeah. yes. You guys always have a booth there. Don't you always have a booth there? We do. Yeah. We do. Actually, John came by yesterday. I missed him. Um, <laughs> but, oh, you guys um, know each other? <laughs> um, so April 12th through 14th, um, we've been involved with that festival for over 20 years, and it's great. We provide all the volunteers. So if you want to help and you like the blues, great opportunity. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I mean, hundreds, we need hundreds of volunteers for that weekend. That um, is not a bad way to help. That is a, a fun way, way to help. help. And, you know, <laughs> like I always say, there's some way, there's some way to help, right? Um, I thought you looked familiar. Um, so, um, like, who is that? Um, so, Yes. So that's one way, you know, you can volunteer for events like that, but by doing that, we, we are given by the Tampa Bay Blues Fest Foundation, a nice check at the oh, end okay. of the festival. So it really helps us not only with exposure, but it helps us be collaborative in the community. So it's a great partnership there. 
Um, we have, um, we have, like I said about the state and with the elections coming up and in the session coming in with the state of Florida, we always need support on the state level. So writing letters to your, um, your political people, okay, super important. And you can always call us and say, you know, what do you need? This is what we need. We need to, we need funding for, like I said. With so a simple letter would say, please support, um, provide more funding to park in Penalty well, Center for Disabilities. And, and the industry. And the industry. The industry yeah. as a whole, because this is a whole state of Florida. Do they go to Tallahassee and talk to legislators Absolutely. as well? Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're... Because that can be a very powerful... Very uh, powerful. Uh, uh, ...impact on legislators when exactly. they actually hear from people who might vote for them. Exactly. And we have a huge constituency, right? Yeah, right. Um, so... So that's another way. And then obviously um, spreading the word, right? So it's so important to talk about it. You know, talk about what you hear today. Tell a friend, tell a family member and spread the word and also come see us. You know, we could talk about this for hours, but until you see what we do and people walk away and go, I had no idea, Michelle. I could tell you all of our programs and everything, but until you see it, it is very impactful and you realize the comprehensive um, programming and services we provide to people in our community and families. And, and how can they? How can they reach out to you? To, can they? Can they have a tour of your Absolutely. facility? Absolutely, we have Ooh. tours. We have tours all the time, right, Peter? Yeah. Um, yes. Do you lead tours, Peter? All the time. Yes. Yeah. And no. I do their tour for them too. Yeah. With who on what shift? Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes, all you have to do is call us and, and what's that phone e- email number? us. It, our phone number is 727-345-9111. And if they want to email you? Uh, they can email me directly at M, which is Michelle, the first letter of my name, Detweiler, D as in David, E, T as in Tom, W-E-I-L-E-R, at P A R C fl.org and online what's the website www.parc-fl.org okay you're testing me uh, and if you're just tuning in now let's say we're listening to we're talking to michelle detweiler is this detweiler is the ceo of park center for disabilities and peter mondroff who has been um, part of that park family since 1988 we've got a couple emails david bryant says I really like how Publix hires developmentally disabled people. The one nearest to me has had several disabled folks on staff working there consistently for many years. It makes me more likely to shop at Publix because I appreciate them helping these folks. And I have to say, I feel that way about Publix. I mean, I, I like Publix. Yes. I know that um, they've, you know, their politics has, have upset people over the years. Um, but I think that you know, the same thing for me. I see the same people that have been working there at Publix, bagging my groceries for probably 20 years. Yeah. And it's awesome. I know them. Yeah, exactly. And Publix is really is a great community partner. Um, and have they been doing this for a long time? Oh, yes. And, and, yes. And was there Decades. something? Right. That, yes. Was there, was there something within the the public's family uh, that led them to to do this? So that, I don't know if there was a personal story there, but I do know that um, that's their culture, their culture. I mean, I've sat on boards with public's execs and um, dealt with that organization for, for decades, and that is their culture, giving back and helping. Yeah. And very often, um, people do get involved in these organizations or these causes because they have a 
family member or they, they, they know someone personally. What I think was interesting about what Greg Jones has done with Coffee United People is he didn't have any family members. Yeah. He it was, was a just, friend. It was a friend. Whose yeah. kid couldn't play baseball. Yeah. 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 And so he started a, a, a little league for uh, people with disabilities so that they could have mm-hmm. the fun and also learn about you know yeah. team sports and how to get along and things like that, which I think is great. Well, it's great because, you know, the thing is with um, this population, and I, I always say this, they're invisible to most people. And it's human nature to not be comfortable about around somebody that's different. It just is. Um, so imagine how lonely that is, mm-hmm. right? If you can't play baseball or you're not accepted or you're different. Um, so that is, that is so important for people who um, aren't connected, don't have those familial, you know, relationships um, for one way or another to, and I always really respect people like that. I mean, we have people that support our organization, same thing. They just feel very drawn to help humanity like that. And um, so if if we can all kind of open our eyes a little bit more and be acceptance and inclusive and not be afraid, um, it's amazing the love and the, the acceptance you'll get back. I want to um, read an email that we have here. Bob has a, a comment, but maybe, um, Michelle, you can offer some words of encouragement. He says, hello, my two grandsons are disabled. Your program sounds good and admirable, yet there is so much red tape in all this process. They, they will be with my daughter until they are 35. Just sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I don't know which community he lives in, but it is. Do you have to live in Pinellas to access your services? Um, you don't have to, but we do not provide transportation outside of our county. So um, transportation is a huge as you can imagine, we have a fleet of vehicles, 40 vehicles that are that drive around Pinellas County every single day. Uh, transportation is um, uh, something that is a huge barrier for a lot of people. Um, fortunately, we provide that, but we can't come over to or down around to other communities. Well, one of the services you provide is um, caregiver relief. Um, yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? I sure can. Uh, we're very proud of this program. We've been providing, it's basically respite, um, respite help to families with children who have disabilities. And we've been doing this for 13 years, and we're the only organization in this area that does that. We um, were honored last year nationally, um, one of five organizations nationally that provide exemplary and innovative services for respite care. And what we do is if you have a child, um, we can come and help you basically give you a break. Um, Caregiver burnout, depression is very high. When you have a child, I mean, it's hard enough having a child without differences. (laughs) And then you have one that really needs a lot of, um, a lot from Mm -hmm. you. Um, and, and, And children with disabilities are, three, four times more likely to be abused too because mm-hmm. of that. So um, we provide that break and we go in, we, we pair up our families with um, what we call providers and they build those relationships. So it's not like you get a different person coming in your home every time you need help. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we build relationships with our families so that they trust us. And they're able to share things with us. Um, and, and so we go in and we give them a break. 
And it's, it's a very, the thing about this program, it's, I'm glad you asked because it's not a funded program and there's a very large waiting list and it's really too bad. It used to be uh, funded by the Juvenile Welfare Board of Pinellas County and they decided to go in a different direction about a year ago. So we lost that funding, but it's such a mission driven program for us that we and the board of directors said, we have to make, we have to keep this. What will these families do without that break? How many families are you helping? Um, you know, oh uh, gosh, roughly. you're testing Put me. You on the spot um, again. I would say we, we serve maybe, uh, and this is, I'm, like just roughly 45 families maybe yeah. yeah so that's a small number yeah it is relative to the need yes i would think we that would pro- be a small yeah, number we get calls every day yeah the, there's a larger uh challenge in florida regarding caregiving for older exactly too you know, i mean even if, if they are not disabled uh, uh, children mm-hmm. caring for their parents if you've ever and been a caregiver respite. you know and there's also a limited state funding exactly for that as well mm-hmm. so it sounds like you could use some lobbyists we could use lobbyists yeah. in that area Any lobbyists are listening yes please please Park. please yes um so tell us what's next 70th 70 years you guys are getting ready to do an expansion is that correct tell we us are. about so, the expansion well we um have been around for 70 years and our our preschool and our children all of our children's programs is in our original building which was built in 1966 um and we have been working on this for 10 years and i'm i'm not exaggerating um to find a solution what are we going to do because the building is no longer functional um so we found that solution and we have a piece of property where our administration building and one of our adult programs was on that it's one block over from our main campus and that is the piece of property we are going to build our new children's services center very very excited on the 18th which is next week we're having a little demo day oh exciting um the state of florida representative linda cheney and senator nick desiglia they were very very supportive um and helped us get a $1.5 million appropriation to kind of start that campaign out. But we have to raise $10 million and we've got a long way to go. Um, so we're in the process of um, having a capital campaign to, to raise that money mm-hmm. so that we, but we are building it. We have to build it. Um, I believe that when you do, do what we do, and our CFO would not agree with me on this, but um, when you do what we do and you're helping humanity and you're helping families, it all works out. And I really believe that. And it, it always has for us over the last 70 years. So, mm-hmm. um, Was that your it. dad's philosophy? Because I, let's, I just want to go back to this for a minute because he made Park... I think probably in the 70s, like it was the premier charity in Pinellas County. It was was supported by so many different individuals and organizations. Um, First of all, how did he do that? And how are you going to do that? So he was super charismatic and very passionate about um, the cause, obviously. It was very personal to him. And when he spoke, people wanted to help him, you know, and I hope I have a little bit of that in me. I think you do. Um, I hope so. <laughs> um, because I, I feel very, um, it's, it really isn't a job for me. It's, it's a, um, it, calling. It's, it's a calling. It's a, it's an, something that I know that I'm here to do it. And, um, we have so much support. Um, but 
but we need more. We need the people are moving into our community, as you know, right. every single day. And so that's the challenge getting here we are, you know, and that's why the rebranding was so wonderful because it's really kind of um, elevated us to ignite what we're doing. Um, but, but, you know, I'm going to do my best to follow in his footsteps to, um, to be where we were back in the 70s, you know, the state of the art. That's, that's what we need to be the hub. We are the hub of this industry and people call us every day. So we need to make sure we can provide those services for the families that need us. I I noticed one of those services you also provide is arts programs. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So our Inspired Artist Studio, it's very popular. We have... um, Peter seems to like that program. Yeah, everybody loves art, whether they're good artists or not. You like that program, Peter? Yes. That was that one. (laughs) You like doing the art? Yes, that too. Yes. But funny about that, my dad's... Your dad's an artist. Your dad was an artist. Very cool. So that you like that, yeah. Well, and what does it do for your clients, though? So we talked about purpose earlier. Um, I have so many stories of where uh, people came into this program and their families had no idea they had any artistic ability. And then all of a sudden, they're creating these amazing pieces of art. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll tell you a quick story. The Vitali brothers, um, they're okay. muralists um, mm-hmm. in the Tampa Bay area and nationally. And um, I really wanted a mural because we're in St. Pete. We're in the city of St. Pete. And they have the Shine Festival, which is all mural driven. And I was like, we got to get a mural. How can we get a mural? Um, we can't afford it, but let's try. Um, so um, Shelly, she's one of our volunteers. She works for the Vitali Brothers. So I said, hey, can you get me a price and tell me what it would cost to put a mural on the Burt Muller home, which is a three-story building? You can see it going down Tyrone Boulevard. It'll draw people to us. So we kind of went back and forth, and I said, well, what's it going to cost? Well, he, um, Johnny said that he'll, he'll do it for cost. I go, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I need to know what the cost is. Um, and so then I realized about the Shine Festival. I'm like, wouldn't that be cool? Because this was in August um, of last year. And wouldn't it be cool if we could be a part of that festival? It would give us even more exposure. So I asked that question. Um, Vitaly Brothers went to the St. Pete Art Alliance and said, what do you think? And they said, oh, yes, let's make them one of our bright spots in the festival. So Johnny came back and said, I'm just going to do it for free. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, great story. And we have this amazing mural that's really a focal point of our organization on that block. Fantastic. Um, we're, we're out of time, so we're going to end on that note. Um, um, this was a great conversation with Michelle Duttweiler, who is the um, executive director of Park um, Center for Disabilities. Um, you can Google them, go online, read about them, see what they're doing. And if you want to get involved, um, we talked about that. You can volunteer at the Blues Festival, go lobby, um, and tell, spread the word, spread the word. And Peter. Thanks yeah. for being with us. Do you want to, Thank Michelle, you. go ahead. You got Yeah, one more thing. Um, we have our 50th annual golf tournament, June 1st. So help us with that. Support us with that. And also um, come visit us. Take a tour. You won't right. be disappointed. Thank you for being here. Thanks. This is WMNF Thanks to Tampa. both of you. Thanks, Peter, Thank for you being so here. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks.